Welcome back to Down Home Fear. My name is Hunter Keegan, and as always, I've got some weird and compelling stories for you today. Before I go too much further, I wanted to make a quick correction to something from a previous episode. In the Surprise Ghost Ships episode, episode 23, I said that a famous ghost ship, the Mary Celeste, disappeared off the coast of Haiti. This is actually incorrect. After the presumed demise of the crew, the Mary Celeste was initially discovered floating off the coast of Europe in the North Atlantic. I've been meaning to mention that for a while, so I thought I'd make that correction nearly a year after the fact. It's been bothering me this whole time. I just kept forgetting to put that update in uh, some of the earlier episodes this season, so I apologize for that. Um, And I did want to correct my mistake. What else? I've decided to consolidate the former DHF website under my own personal site, which is hhkeegan.com. There, you can view my web store and full collection of projects that I work on, including Down Home Fear. The best way to get show updates is to follow me on Twitter at hhkeegan. But to get to what we're really here to talk about, the first story today is the twisted tale of Dahlia and Michael Dipolito, a couple who fell into a whirlwind romance that almost ended in murder, and it was all caught on tape. This is a much more high-profile story than any of the other episodes that I've done lately, so there's a chance you may have heard of it. This story is wild. It was so morbidly entertaining to research. This segment will give you a great, concise breakdown of how the story played out and where things currently stand with all parties involved. This story is from Boynton Beach, Florida. Located in southern Florida in a generally middle-class area, it's about an hour north of Miami. To set the stage, the year is 2009. Meet Dahlia, a 26-year-old woman working as a call girl. She is thin, tan, and people describe her as very attractive. Well aware of her sex appeal, Dahlia has a reputation for being able to easily manipulate men and use her sexuality to get people to do what she wants. And what exactly does she want? Some would say that Dahlia is a greedy person who seems to be primarily motivated by money. And a man named Michael DiPolito, who has lots of money, happens to go out with her one night. They quickly fall into a whirlwind romance that their friends describe as very intense and sexually charged. Mike is muscular, he works out a lot. He's charming, but also not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. He's not stupid by any means, but he's known as being fairly gullible and easy to mislead, which is unfortunate for a guy like him who meets a woman like Dahlia. Mike DiPolito has a checkered past, it's worth mentioning this. He used to run con jobs over the phone. Before he met Dahlia, he'd call people and try to get them invest in sketchy stocks, effectively scamming them out of their money. He had been caught for doing this and was on probation for stock fraud during the time he met Dahlia. So he owed people a lot of money and fines. He also was on probation. Here's what went down. 
Mike was already married when he met Dahlia, so he divorced his first wife and married Dahlia. Of course, she claims that she had been told that Mike was already in the process of a divorce at the time that they met. Technically, he wasn't in the process of a divorce. He only filed for divorce after meeting Dahlia. In the days after their honeymoon, Dahlia withdrew $240,000 from Michael's bank account. She took all of his money within six months, and she managed to get Michael's home deeded to her and more. She soon had a hand in nearly every aspect of her new husband's finances. Only problem was... Well, she didn't want to have to actually deal with Mike. And a quick note before we go too much further, I use the names Mike and Michael interchangeably in this story, so just be aware, this is the same person who we're talking about, it's not two different guys. After just six months of marriage, in the summer of 2009, she tried to get her ex-boyfriend named Mohammed to set up a hit on Michael. Yes, a hit, as in she wanted to hire a hit man to murder her husband for her. As soon as Mohammed and Dahlia parted ways that afternoon, Mohammed went to the police, and in a daring move, the police asked him if he would be willing to act as an informant to help them collect enough evidence to arrest Dahlia. Mohammed agrees to this. So he meets with Dahlia again, this time in his car. Little did Dahlia know, there was a pinhole camera that the police had hidden in the back seat, and Mohammed was of course wearing a wire to make sure that everything Dahlia said could be secretly recorded. Mohammed told her that if she gave him $20,000, he could hire someone to carry out the hit for her. Dahlia gave Mohammed $1,200 and agreed to pay the rest of the $20,000 after the hit was completed. Excerpts of the video from this encounter are available online, and during these conversations, she is chipper and upbeat. It's really obnoxious. It's like she doesn't even really care about the ramifications of what she's trying to do. After Muhammad took the money and drove away, his contact at the Boynton Beach Police Department calls him, and Muhammad updates them on what had just transpired. The police arranged for a second meeting with Dahlia. This time, they send an undercover officer posing as a hitman. The officer spoke with Dahlia at length, once again with a hidden camera in the back of a car. This time, they got into the specifics of how the hit would be carried out. Dahlia was asked multiple times if she really was willing to go through with the crime, and in a comment that soon would become infamous, she insists that she is 5,000% sure. And here's the audio of that. She also tried to pay extra to have Michael killed in public, but the undercover cop convinced her that it would be easier to carry out the hit in her house. This conversation took place over 25 minutes, according to the undercover officer. So that's a long conversation. This isn't like she just popped into the car for a second and tried to set up this hit and then went on with her day. They really sat down and they discussed this topic at length and collected a lot of hard evidence against Dahlia, collecting a very good picture of what she was about to do and what she wanted to have done to Michael. Despite initially being reluctant to let the strange hitman into her house, Dahlia acquiesced and she made her house accessible to the hitman. 
On the morning of August 5th, 2009, she unlocked the doors of her home and went to the gym to wait until the job was done. While she was at the gym, police drove to the house and notified Michael, who was in bed recovering from a surgery. They told him what was about to go down, and in what must have been an incredibly surreal moment, they told him, your wife is trying to have you killed, come with us. The police staged a crime scene around the house and called Dahlia to come home, saying there had been an incident with her husband. But to add to the spectacle, the police got the TV crew from the television show Cops, which is, for people who aren't familiar, Cops is a reality show in the United States where uh, camera crews follow actual police officers while they're carrying out their duties. And they, um, they capture the incidents on video and they show people getting arrested. It's a very, very popular show um, in, in the United States. So they have all these cameras set up. They have the house looking like a crime scene. They put yellow crime scene tape out around the front yard. They had all these police vehicles pulled up out front of the house. So the scene looked really legitimate. One of the police officers calls Dahlia and tells her that there has been an incident involving her husband and that they need her to return to her home right away. When Dahlia arrived back at the house, she was wearing yoga pants and a tight blue tank top. She was looking very cute, and she hurried over to the police officers, who explained that they came because someone had reported hearing gunshots. Dahlia immediately burst into very theatrical and very unconvincing tears. Is your husband Michael? Okay, I'm sorry to tell you, man. He's been killed. He's been killed, man. And the police took her back to the station, still playing along and asking her if her husband had any enemies or people who would want to hurt them. At first, Dahlia responds that Mike may have been targeted by someone who he had ripped off during his stock market frauds years earlier. The police even brought the undercover officer, who she thought had been carrying out the hit on Mike, into the room they were questioning her in, and they asked her if she had ever seen the man before. She responds no, and the undercover officer is escorted out of the room. Now, Dahlia was promptly told by the police officer questioning her. The officer says, you're going to jail today for the solicitation of murder. You're under arrest. And much to her dismay, the police tell her that they have everything she said on video. She was charged with solicitation of first-degree murder on her husband. After she was busted, she kept repeating the phrase, I didn't do anything, insisting that she knew nothing of the plot against her husband. Soon after the arrest, the Boynton Beach Police Department posted the video online of her being told Michael had been killed and her bursting into tears, and it quickly became a viral video because it's hilarious. It's so morbidly funny watching her try to lie to police and act as if she's been so devastated by the death of her husband. It's, it's kind of comedic in a strange way. The cops in the video remain impressively straight-faced for most of the sting, though in one of the videos there is a cop in the background who seems to nearly crack a smile as he watches Dahlia's dramatic performance. It's just, you've got to watch it. I'll, I'll post a link to these videos in the episode description so you can check them out if you want. 
During Adalia's first trial in 2011, her defense team claimed that she had never planned on harming Mike. She said that she was attempting to stage a fake murder attempt in order to become a reality television star, and she claimed that she had been reading from a script when she met the informant, Mohammed, and the undercover police officer. The defense team claimed that Dahlia had known all along that she was on camera, and that she and Mike had come up with the idea of the murder-for-hire plot so that they could increase attention for Dahlia's new reality show. The defense said Dahlia, Mohammed, and Michael himself were all in on this idea, and that everyone was just acting out their part, but that no hit was ever actually to take place. Of course, it's worth noting that there was no production company, no camera crews, etc., etc., present during the car meetings. Also, it doesn't explain the logic behind the interaction that Dahlia had with the undercover officer when she first met him. This explanation from Dahlia's legal team is crazy, and of course, no one believes this explanation. During the trial, Michael was asked if he had ever been on a reality show, or if he had aspirations to be on a reality show. He responded, no. After the first trial, Dahlia was convicted of solicitation for murder and sentenced to 20 years in prison. But keeping her behind bars was harder than it first appeared. The prosecution did not realize that they were about to embark on a nearly 10-year-long process of appeals and retrials. Dahlia's defense attorneys appealed to the decision, saying that the YouTube viral video could have caused jury bias. They also claimed that the jurors were not interviewed properly before being selected for the trial. After the defense team's appeal, in an unusual move, Dahlia was actually allowed a retrial. By now, some time had passed, and the second trial was held in 2016. In the months leading up to the second trial, Dahlia was placed on house arrest instead of having to stay in jail. Dahlia became pregnant during this time and gave birth to a baby boy while awaiting trial. The father was not Michael. In fact, by this point, Michael had divorced her back in 2011. During the second trial, the defense team abandoned the absurd reality TV defense and instead argued that Boynton Beach Police Department had engaged in misconduct by staging the crime scene. They argued that the TV crew from cops who were present at the scene created a, and this is a direct quote from Dahlia's attorney, he said that they created a frenzy within the Boynton Beach Police Department to manufacture good television. Hmm. All right. But according to the police department, the presence of the cops' TV crew was sheer coincidence. A representative explained that cops filming with the Boynton Beach Police Department had nothing to do with this investigation. It was just a coincidence as far as timing was concerned. Meaning that the cops' television crew had already been scheduled to be there during that time, and Dahlia's story in kind of a perfect sequence of events allowed for the cops television crew to actually get involved with that particular sting operation, which is pretty interesting. It's just a matter of really lucky timing. With all of this said, the prosecution was not worried about the retrial. They were confident that she would be reconvicted of solicitation for first-degree murder. But to their surprise, this time there was a hung jury, meaning that the jury was unable to agree upon a verdict. Therefore, there was a third trial in 2017. 
After this third trial, the new jury took just 90 minutes to reach a verdict, and Dahlia was once again convicted of solicitation to commit first-degree murder. This time, she was sentenced to 16 years in prison. But it doesn't quite end there. In 2019, Dahlia's defense team tried to appeal this decision to the Florida State Supreme Court. The Florida State Supreme Court rejected this case, and then the defense team tried to contact the U.S. Supreme Court to look at the case. The Supreme Court of the United States also declined without comment. I said earlier that Mike was not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed, but Dahlia doesn't really do herself any favors either. While in prison at one point, I think after the third trial, if I have the timeline correct, she called her baby daddy and discussed escaping prison by using a drone to drop wire cutters down to her. Phone calls from prisons are monitored, and the police caught this whole conversation on tape. So she's on tape talking about breaking out of prison while she's literally in a prison on a prison telephone talking to her new boyfriend. As of 2020, Dahlia still resides in the Lowell Correctional Facility in Marion County, Florida. She's now 37 years old. She apparently leads a Bible study group at the prison, and according to her attorney, is well-respected by other prisoners for her faith. She periodically gets to see her young son, who is now four years old. Michael DiPolito is still alive and well, thanks to Muhammad tipping off the police and the subsequent sting operation. Regarding Dahlia's prison sentence, Mike joked to reporters after the trial. He said, I'm 5,000% happy with it. But he did go on in other interviews to say that he feels sort of bad for Dahlia. He feels that she is a, quote, lost person. How crazy is that story? I feel so bad for Mike Tipolito. I know that he had a pretty shitty past with stock fraud and scamming people, but in this case, he was nearly murdered by his newlywed wife. Can you imagine your significant other leaving for the gym one morning while you recover from surgery, only to have a hitman come and kill you minutes later? As far as people being caught red-handed goes, I can't think of a more blatant example. How delusional did Dahlia and her defense team have to be to continue trying to appeal this decision? It truly boggles the mind. I have a second story for you today as well. Did you know that mummies have been found in the United States? I'd never heard of this before. But in America, there are certain caves where climate conditions allow, in very rare cases, the natural mummification of corpses. One of those areas is in Mammoth Cave, which we discussed a few episodes ago during episode 27, Horror in the Caverns. However, I didn't get a chance to discuss the story of Little Alice during that episode, and I thought it was super interesting. It's quick, but it's very interesting. For people who hadn't heard the earlier episode about Mammoth Cave, 
Mammoth Cave System is the longest cave system in the world, and it can be found in central Kentucky. It consists of over 400 miles of surveyed passages. In 1875, a mummy was discovered by cavers while exploring Mammoth Cave. This mummy was naturally preserved, meaning that it looked nothing like the traditional images of Egyptian mummies that you've definitely seen before. It wasn't wrapped up in bandages or cloth or anything like that. The body was simply left exposed in the cave and it became dehydrated over time, so it took on an almost leathery appearance. It's pretty creepy looking. The body is curled up in the fetal position and it's been preserved, again, not through a special burial process, but simply because of the unique climate conditions within the cave system. The climate within the cave allowed the body to quickly dehydrate, and it preserved the mummy extremely well. The explorers back in 1875 dubbed the mummy Little Alice because of its small size and their mistaken belief that the mummy was that of a young girl. In fact, it was later determined that little Alice was actually a young boy. So over the years, some people have begun calling the mummy Little Al. Standing just four and a half feet tall, little Alice was a nine-year-old Native American child who had laid preserved and undisturbed in the caverns for as long as 2,000 to 3,000 years, according to radiocarbon dating. The explorers removed a little Alice from the cave, and over the ensuing years, the mummy was displayed in and around Mammoth Cave for visitors to observe. The mummy was shuffled between various exhibitions over the years, including one at the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. Little Alice was not comprehensively studied until 1958, when the mummy was eventually brought to the University of Kentucky. The preservation of the body was considered excellent due to its level of natural dehydration that it had maintained over the millennia while resting deep within Mammoth Cave. If you look at photos of it, you can clearly make out the child's facial features, and even its internal organs are well preserved according to various studies carried out by University of Kentucky. This has led to lots of interesting scientific research conducted on the mummy over the years. It is unknown how little Alice died. However, food was found in the mummy's lower intestines, suggesting that the death may have occurred suddenly or unexpectedly. Alice is not the only example of a mummy found in Mammoth Cave. Other specimens exist as well. However, these discoveries are exceedingly rare. In fact, mummified bodies in North America in general are very rare to come by because normal climate conditions throughout the, that continent cause the vast majority of bodies to naturally decay. So that's why the discovery of Little Alice and the other examples of mummies in Mammoth Cave are so noteworthy. One thing this story had me asking myself while I researched it was, how creepy would it be to find a mummified body while deep underground exploring a cave? I don't think I could handle that. In conclusion, at least Michael DiPolito was able to escape the clutches of his murderous wife, and little Alice will remain on the record in anthropology and archaeology texts. There are silver linings to almost everything, Almost.
Catch me on Twitter at HH Keegan, Facebook at Down Home Fear Podcast, and my full website can be found at hhkeegan.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hunter Keegan. Keep coming back to DHF. Home Fear with Hunter Keegan is a Lost Dot Press production. Visit hhkeegan.com to support the show. Follow us on Twitter at Down Home Fear and at hhkeegan.